To you it's just a game, for me it's all I know I make them remember my name before I have to go Losing, I can't fathom, that's a champion's passion Confidence never lacking, drop the beat, let's attack them They be checking for the content, you tired of that nonsense No gimmicks, break limits, quality is I promise This is more than a show, this is a way of life Cause the game as it grows, takes us to higher heights Check the stats before you check me And don't tell me who the greatest if you don't know the history Robert Ramon and Carlos the new big three and if the pins ain't from them don't bring them to me because i go off like a rocket launcher man i just hate the beat i'm a real monster i can hear the crowd chanting mvp that's my mantra here's a standing on for the opinionated bench warmers so it's getting bad now guys it's getting bad with the major offseason, major sports offseason gap, bro. I'm watching the basketball tournament. <laughs> it's gotten yeah. that bad, man. It's, it's terrible, bro. Honestly, a lot of times I find myself going on, like, YouTube and stuff. Just watching. <laughs> oh, watching. you getting bad, yeah. bro. You, I'm, like, watching other kind of stuff. You like Tyrone Biggins, man. We like Tyrone's yeah. our neck. Man, so what's y'all, what's y'all favorite, like, in-between sports gap pastime? 2K. <laughs> yeah, I, 2K. Yeah, 2K would get me over 2K, 2K is a nice feeling. That but it, it just be making me want the NBA season to start even more now. Yeah. I honestly, man, just been, like I said, I get on YouTube, I watch. They got this nice little group that does, like, film sessions on, like, the Lakers and kind of how things are going to be put together. And they've been doing pieces on AD and how AD going to fit with LeBron and Danny Green and all that. So, me as a Lakers fan, I've just been watching a lot of that type of stuff, man. Yeah, it's been pretty bad. Louisiana been advancing in the in the basketball time. <laughs> I still don't know what it is. I yeah, I don't know what it is. Everything, I'm still confused, but yeah. I guess it's not meant for us to know. Well, welcome to the Opinated Bitch Warmers Podcast episode. What episode this is, Ramon? You remember. Oh, is it episode 41, 42? 42. I should have looked this up before we started recording. But. All right, we got right into the episode and don't even know the episode. What episode it is, Lowe's? 42. It's actually yeah, it's 41. A, no, it's 42. 42? Yeah, <laughs> what are you talking about? I'm looking at my phone. They don't have 42 on my phone. Uh, last episode, no one knew, was episode 41. All right, so 41. if you ain't listen to 41, go I, check this out. I apologize, Carl. My apologies, Carlos. Episode, welcome to the Opinion Bench Wars Podcast. Episode 41, the voice you're hearing is Robert. 42. Oh, what I said? You just said 41. I'm sorry. <laughs> 42. All right, bro. Episode 41. 42. All right. What I said? You said 41. All right. Welcome to the Peanut Bitch Woman <laughs> Podcast, episode 42. The voice you're hearing is Robert. I'm here with Carlos and Ramon. What's happening, fellas? Y'all ready to get into it, man? As always, we ready to do it. You know, we got this jam-packed episode. We about a month out from fantasy. Like, Preseason going, you know, we a couple weeks away from that, so, man, let's get it, man, let's get it. Yeah, man, I'm ready to jump into episode 42. 42. Uh, hopefully we finally all got that. The Jerry Stackhouse we... episode. <laughs> 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 hey, Jerry was a legend with the man. Hey, your man. uncle was cold, but, sure. uh, but yeah, I'm ready to jump right into it, man. Like you said, fantasy football is approaching. 
and all that. So, I mean... The Jesse Robinson episode. Okay, I'm with that. I'm with that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with that. Yeah, man. We are, like Los mentioned, this is probably our unofficial fantasy football episode. But we're going to be talking a lot of fantasy football. So, you fantasy football-aholics, tune in, listen up, listen to some good tips from some guys that has won some championships that have had success in multiple leagues. So, it's not like you just listening to some random Joe Blows. We do our research. We know our stuff. So, I mean, take the advice if you don't want to. I mean, I hope you don't because, I mean, if you don't, then it just makes it easier for me. So, it's fine. But um, we can't go any further. We're going to start off with the NBA before we jump. Okay. It's going to be a very okay. fantasy cool. football heavy episode. But I want us to start off with talking about the big deal. I don't think we got a chance to talk about it with Westbrook headed to Houston. And Chris Paul is headed to Oklahoma City. Houston get, in turn gets, a, I mean, the Thunder in turn, Sam Presti was able to configure it to where he has, I think he owns like maybe nine first-round picks in, up until yeah, through 2026. Crazy. Something crazy it's like, like 11, that. It's like maybe 11. It's nuts. Yeah. Um, thoughts? situation where uh it could potentially kind of work and look decent at times in the regular season i think mike d'antoni as an offensive mind can figure out some kind of things and kind of stagger the minutes uh regular season wise but as you get into the postseason and really your rotations kind of shorten and your star players have to be on the floor you know most of the game together i think that's when of course you're definitely going to see um you know, it kind of be a really difficult situation. I mean, you got two ball-dominant guards. I don't see that Russ can really play too well off-ball. I mean, he can't really shoot the ball, especially from the perimeter. I know he can can cut and all that kind of stuff like that, but I don't see how well he really works off-ball. And at this point, like, do you really want to take the ball out of James Harden's hands when, honestly, like, James Harden as an offensive player is one of the best we've seen. I ain't going to try to, you know, put him into that total elite elite class but he's one of the best we've seen like with the ball in his hands just an offensive weapon and so to try to at this point take it out of his hands and put it in Russ's hands and make James play off ball like are you really going to get the best James Harden doing that so and is that the best thing for the team because James is the better player out of the two in my opinion at this point so uh, um, well just kind of to I guess piggyback on what you're saying I think that one of the most underrated portions of James Harden game is how good of a ball handler he is. 
and his style of ball handling. Yeah. You know, he has a very low center of gravity. He, you know, he's he keeps the ball really snug to himself. He's a great ball handler. Great ball handler. And it's unspoken that we always talk about his three league. Exactly. And he may be, it may be an unpopular pop opinion, but he may be a better ball handler than Westbrook. Oh, he's so, a better ball handler than Westbrook. So, I no. mean, are you going to take the ball out of your best ball handler hands and give it to Westbrook? I think that you will have to divide it up, which will cause it to go into problems with another problem with James Harden, just like with Chris Paul. Chris Paul is very ball dominant. So you ran, just like you mentioned off air, Ramon, that Westbrook is more of a ball-dominant player than even Chris Paul. And I added on to that, and I've said it plenty of times, and I have no problem saying it. Yes, Westbrook may have led the league in assists, but I'm not going to say just because he led the league in assists that he makes the players around him better. So thinking on that term, I think that it was just a move that Houston had to make out of desperation because we all know that that window had closed. We all know that it was the point where we just – thought Houston was going to take a step back this year. But by them making this trade, it worked out for Sam Presti because, you know, basically he's went into a rebuild and he, he was able to get that contract off the books. And it works out for Houston because they'll be able to continue to fill up seats. You know, we know that they're probably going to be a 50-plus win team, but we know ultimately in the playoffs they probably won't have success because you're matching up two guys who haven't had that much success in the playoffs. So I don't I think it was Houston's – you know, which is genius. You yeah. know, it's a business. You know, I think that they're going to sell a lot of tickets. They're going to sell a lot of Westbrook jerseys. You know, Westbrook is in, and Harden are going to entertain like they always do. We all know the defense is a little bit more lax in the regular season. So, they're going to make a lot of highlights. They're going to, you know, it's just a revenue thing. I think it's yeah. a good business move for them. But as far as basketball, just knowing basketball, I don't see how it could work. So, yeah. you know, ultimately, I think that in Oklahoma City's, on the, on their side of things, they finally got rid of the big three. So I mean, just transitioning. I mean, you look at Durant, you look at Harden, you look at Westbrook, who all won MVPs. So you know, Sam Presti's drafting ability, his it, it speaks for itself. Yeah, you know, three so, consecutive drafts. So three if you telling me that he got a first round pick in every draft until 2026, I'm, I have to think that at least two or three of those players are gonna turn out to be superstars. So, I mean, just to talk about what they meant, I think as Lakers fans firsthand, I think that, you know, not to be selfish or biased, but it's true. If you go back to when the Lakers had started to maybe, I guess, decline, unofficially decline because we still made the playoffs. But you remember you remember those young boys came to yeah. L.A. and gave us everything we could handle. Yeah. Now, ultimately, we ended up winning that series, but... When I looked at that, I was like, man, Westbrook, Durant, at the time, they're 23 years old and giving Kobe and Pau Gasol, Andrew Bynum, Lamar Odom, giving us fits, you know, and we was like, okay, that is the team of the future. And and the thing about it, two two years after that, I don't know if you remember, but two years after that, we actually saw them again in the playoffs. That's when they actually took us out. Exactly. On their road, that road to the finals, they took us out. So, and then, ultimately, they ended up, you know, facing LeBron. Yeah. In the fi- was it the finals? It was the finals. It was the finals. So, you know, I mean, how, how how would you go about just talking about the legacy of those three guys just, just off the bat, you know? I know we have critiques of all three of them. Mm-hmm. You know, Durant has become probably, debatably, the best player in the world at this point prior to that injury. But, you know, 
just speak on how, you know, three guys got together, three young guys, and how, you know, an organic team was built, an organic legacy was really made in OKC. Well, I can, easily I can say they're all future Hall of Famers, you know, easily. Uh, with Westbrook, you know, on his triple-double spree, you know, and James Harden on his tail where he could have been MVP himself back-to-back years. And, you know, I know Kevin Durant gets knocked for what his decision was, but, again, he's un- probably the most unguardable player, you know, in the NBA. So, I mean, you look at those guys and what they've done, you know, with Kevin Durant on one with a championship, but um, I would say easily – Easily all future Hall of Famers and, you know, probably the best team that really never was, you know what I'm saying? Because, again, they found a way to keep those three guys together. I think they would have found a way to win a championship together, but, yeah. you know. Yeah, no, nah, nah, I definitely agree with that. And, and like you were saying, you know, I've kind of pitched it to you guys for kind of some years about they're going to end up doing the 30 for 30 one day on them about the dynasty that never was. Like Let's he, keep that to ourselves, bro. Like, <laughs> might, that might be a project we work yeah, on. Yeah, that's, that's true. But, but, <laughs> but it's one of those things, man, where, like, first of all, even years ago, you can kind of see the writing on the wall, kind of how this was going to eventually play out. Um, but like you said, if you go back to those years, even the, the year that they lost in the finals to, you know, LeBron, the Heat, and all of that, it was still thought that, okay, this is a team that's going to continue to get back. This is a team that, okay, we just seen the beginning. They took their little lump in the playoffs and the finals. They'll be back there, this and that. And then that offseason, you see James Harden get traded because they didn't want to pay the full money for him. And so then eventually you see Kevin Durant out of there and you see Russell Westbrook. And like you said, like y'all said, I mean, that's three Hall of Fame talents, three MVPs. Like, you literally, in consecutive drafts, drafted three MVPs, not to mention you picking up Serge Ibaka in the process. Not to mention Jeff Green in the process. Reggie Jackson. Like, it's so many great players that they was able to cultivate. Uh, Steven Adams. Yeah, so, you know. It's just crazy to see it that now it's like from all that it's going to be a re... And no championships out of that. That's the biggest thing. But the thing is that that's why OKC fans... If you, I hadn't seen the backlash. Maybe it's because it's not many of them. But OKC fans, they're not upset. They don't. They don't. They're not worried about it. You know, because of Sam Presti, and that's a good another good, good transition. You know, our focus had really been front offices and what they are able to do. Because oftentimes it's overlooked how important the front office is. You look at Sam Presti, who was able to draft, like you said, three consecutive. MVPs, but able to draft some of the best role players we've seen in the past decade in, in yeah. a surge, in a Steven Adams, yeah. in a Reggie Jackson, who went on to Detroit and, and you know, they, they spent the bag on him and thought that he could be a, a, a centerpiece of scoring for them. And, you know, you look at a guy that's able to, you know, draft and, and see the future and have insight. Sam Presti is going to turn this team around. I'm not talking about I'm not talking about years down the line. I'm talking about he's going to turn this team around very, very soon because of his ability to draft. And you, you're telling me you're giving probably one of the best drafting GMs of this decade probably nine first-round picks over the next, like, what, six, seven years, and he's not going to turn that team around? I mean, it, they're in a good spot. You know, OKC fans aren't. They're not worried. I know that they're going to, you know, I think. The Sam, ones that are still there, because I do know a couple that's in already. Yeah, I know. I know a couple personally. <laughs> you know, I know a guy personally who's, oh, I thought he was an OKC fan, but Westbrook was gone. He already, yeah. he already has ordered his, uh, his, his Westbrook jersey in Houston. But, um, you know, 
they 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 gonna have a quick turnaround, I think. And I think even if they are, uh, they probably will be. I don't know. They, they now they're talking about they're gonna keep CB three. Yeah, they're gonna eventually move him. They it may not be a situation so you don't think where he plays a game in OKC uniform. I think it's possible that he will play a game, um, but he's still gonna get moved at at a certain point in the season. It just it's probably a situation right now that the market isn't great for CP three. Honestly, we can all see that CP three is declined as a player, but it ain't like his money is declining. His money is going up each and every year because they contract that he signed. So that's. That's a tough contract to move. Like he's a tough player to move at this point because he's not at this point in, in my opinion, an elite player in this league anymore. Um, well, I, I don't think he was able to, you know, really be who he was in Houston either. Like I mean, you think the year before, you know, when in the playoffs he put the team on his shoulders. I'm talking about last year, not this year. Yeah, I know he's talking about. Team on his shoulders. Western Conference. Was out, if, if he wouldn't have got hurt, I mean, the history says that it may have been Houston in the NBA Finals, not yeah. not, not the Warriors. You know, well, maybe, maybe that, you know, you also had Iggy Dallas hurt the series. You know, I mean, it's a lot of different things. I mean, I, I think that if, if CP3 wouldn't have went out, he would have legit. I mean, you, you can't discount what Iggy meant to Golden State. That is a good point, but I mean, give or take, you know, if Iggy was out and CP3 was healthy and not got hurt, it may have been Houston in the, in, this, in, the, in the finals. You could say that. So, But I think this year, I think that's that's why they bumped heads. And, you know, another that's a good trend. I'm killing these transitions. <laughs> you know, the report came out. He, James Hunt was asked about, I don't know if he was at his uh, charity event or at his camp, but he was asked about the situation with CP3. And I don't think it's true. I'm paraphrasing. But he just said that, you know, that the media overblew it and that him and CP3 are good. And they never had an issue. I don't believe it. But, <laughs> I mean, I think he's saying all the right things. I mean, right now, because, again, I really think the ports that came out where James Harden pretty much said it's me or him, I think those are true. You know what I'm saying? Well, there was the smoke, there's fire, and as you see, CP3 got traded and moved from the team. So, I think there were issues there, and I think there always were issues there and we've seen it we've seen it out you know uh, uh you know publicly where you know uh james Harden slapped cp3 hand and them kind of getting into it you know <laughs> so we've seen it publicly so you know what was going on yeah. privately so I, I just don't believe it yeah i Okay, so I'm in between on this. I, I don't believe that there was nothing there. I do believe that something was there. But I also do believe that the media can overblow situations. Um, and I just use a recent example, like, for instance, this whole thing with Rob Palenka, where the media act like Rob Palenka didn't understand the salary uh, cap implications of the deal with the Pelicans and pushing it back and this and that. And that's been completely refuted. You know, and Lakers have a capologist on the team, and it's obvious that Rob Palenka didn't overlook that, you know, from my perspective and my opinion, and even people speaking within the organization. But the media kind of ran with something like that because the deal had certain parameters. So I think that the media can sometimes grab things and overblow them and make them bigger. Like you even heard Austin Rivers come out, and while Austin Rivers didn't obviously refute and say that nothing was there, he did allude to also the media kind of overblowing things and, and making it bigger than what it is. So I believe that there is definitely something there. I don't think that Chris Paul would have been moved at this point if there wasn't something there. There's obviously something there, but I do think that the media probably is overblowing this some. Well, 
Yeah, I, I think that it's in between. I mean, just like you said, Ramon, I mean, I do believe that there's something there, but I do think sometimes that the media can, you know, what I've learned about the media, just in certain situations of the past, and I was telling, me and Ramon was having this discussion before we got on, but, you know, certain things that were reported has always came to pass, you know, and even when you think about Paul George when he was with the Pacers and they, they say that he wasn't happy that he was looking for a trade, and then, it, it, then it, that report went away, and then it was reported that they were moving vans at his house. He disputed that. He said, mm-hmm. you know, that I'm 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 here. But now you finding that now look where he's at. He's changed teams twice. Now he's with the Clippers. So I think that there's always some truth yeah. to what the media says. It's just how is it overblown or is it exaggerated? Or, but I never think that, you know, it's just so when they came out and said that Chris Paul and James Horton had issues and then they show a, a picture of them arguing on the on the court. Do I think that that particular argument was like, Chris Paul was like, I'm done with this. I, just <laughs> I think that that type of argument had been happening all 82 games. Mm-hmm. So, you know, but it gives a picture of what, what's going on there. So I do think that they had issues. I do think James Harden is trying to say the right things just so people can get over it. But I do think that he needs to, to watch that because you got to be honest. You know, you got to be the truth. But let's look at this realistically, man. With that being said, put that aside. James Harden and Chris Paul, which is one of my favorite players, both has had historic past issues with past players that they've had. Whether it was Chris Paul not getting along with Blake Griffin, whether it was Chris Paul not getting along with Doc Rivers, yeah. Whether it was Chris, whether or whether it was James Harden not getting along with Dwight Howard. Now Dwight Howard does, yeah, have, right. does have a bad past, but. But those are the things that you look at. So both there are both players that are known to cause issues in locker rooms. You know, maybe James Harden a little less than yeah. Chris Paul because, you know, nobody was getting along with Dwight Howard. Dwight Howard is just putting aside his uh, ego. We're going to talk yeah. about that too. <laughs> but, you know, I think that you just have a pass of guys. I don't yeah. think it was overblown. I think that they weren't going to work out. We was on air when it first happened, and we was like, man, when the trade first went down, it was like, it's not, it's not, this is not going to work. And the first year, they kept the regular season, and then Chris Paul got hurt in the postseason. And this year, you know, it just didn't work out at all. So, you know, I think that it wasn't overblown. I think James Harden just really trying to save face a little bit because Chris Paul hadn't really said anything. I think reporters scared to ask Chris Paul about <laughs> it. But, you know, we'll see. I mean, give or take. I mean, so, I mean, real quick, what do y'all think is a, will be a good landing spot for CP3? Miami. The big three. The big three. <laughs> the big three. three league. Oh, man. I don't be disrespectful, bro. I've been killing it with ISO Joe, huh? I'm joking, bro. I mean, I think he can still be serviceable, but right, at this, as a time until he let up some of that money on that contract or decline that, that play option in that last year, I think it's going to be hard to bring Chris Paul on the team because a lot of people see that his contract is max, super max, and his talent is not what it used to be, you know, if it was from injuries and all that. I mean, I know you're a Chris Paul guy, but, I mean, the the, the, the stats are there, you know, and his injury history is there. So, I mean, it's just going to be hard to see him go anywhere. So, I don't, I don't know. I'm going to be honest, I don't know. I, I think a good landing spot, and I said this on Twitter last week, would be the Indiana Pacers. And, you know, oh, yeah. and then somebody will say, well, they just signed uh, Michael Brogdon. Malcolm Stop Brogdon. it. Stop it. 
did you really just tell me that they signed Malcolm Brock? That is your refute to me yeah. saying that you're bringing an all-NBA, future Hall of Famer, Floyd General to the Pacers over Malcolm Brogdon? Brogdon Malcolm Brogdon. Brogdon kind of nice, though, man, bro. At, like, man, what is Malcolm Brogdon? Brogdon kind of nice, What is man. Malcolm Brogdon's number? Pull up Malcolm Brogdon's number. 50, 40, 90, man. The way he play, and Google plays numbers. very Google, good defense. Google his numbers, man. We about his to... numbers are nice. He, like like Ramon said, he, he got a nice shot from three-point line, free-throw line, and he's efficient, and he plays defense. So, very good I mean, defender. looking at the age and the future, I'm, I mean... It's not too far away. I mean, he's a, basically a 16-point-per-game score. I mean, right at 15.6, 4.5 rebounds, 3.2 assists. Like I said, he's shooting... How many assists? 3.2 assists. He's shooting 50% from the field. Okay. You know. Okay. So 50, 40, 90 guy. I'm just saying, like, CP3 is... We, we both know that you're a CP3 guy, uh, but... Chris Paul, Chris Paul is average, average 15 points last year. And he averaged eight assists on a, on a, on a, what I would say and what many would say was is a down year for CB3. I mean, Malcolm Brogdon may bring these avenues that you're saying, but it's just like with Lonzo Ball. It's certain things that he bring onto the floor that you can't even account for, intangibles. Chris Paul is a leader. And the Pacers are dying and are desperate for a point guard. They saying, now, I bet you if CP3 was available at that time, they, they would have tried to make a move on him because they needed a point guard. That they got Malcolm now, we'll see what happens. Which but, Malcolm is going to really play more off ball. He's not going to really run. Exactly. Things, but. I mean, CP3 is is would be a great fit with with it wouldn't be an ego with with uh, with with Oladipo because he's not really a ball yeah. dominant player. He plays really kind of off ballish. Yeah. You know, he can he can take it off the dribble, but he's known as you know he's not a ball yeah. dominant. He's not a James Harden. You know what yeah. I'm saying? He's not going to bring the ball up the floor yeah. for you. And you know, you got Miles Turner over there. You know, I think that it will be just a. a, a more, I, I think it would give a, give I, a good no, spot for I, I could definitely see it, and I could definitely see the fit. My whole thing was just tonight, you know, it's like Malcolm Brown. I'm Brogdon. not slaying Bro- Malcolm Brown, but is, when you compare him to CP3. But you, on, but I think what you're doing is comparing CP3's legacy to what Malcolm no. Brown is currently, instead of comparing CP3 as a player right now to Malcolm Brown. CP, prior to Chris Paul, Chris Paul was injured a lot this year. He was injured a lot. And was he fully recovered from his prior injury from last year? We don't know that. But what I would say is that when I'm looking at the Chris Paul who put Houston on their shoulders when James Harden was was nowhere to be found last year, and he almost single-handedly pushed, was able to push Houston into the Western Conference Finals. Well, they were in the Western Conference Finals. I mean, you know, the, the, NBA, the Finals. NBA Finals. Like, you can't really overlook that. That's what y'all, he's only a year removed from that. And what you saw this year was just a system that didn't work. Harden wanted to be ball dominant, you know, and, and he wasn't able. He wasn't really. His ego was there, man. Like the tension between them was there, and I think that you know we've got two ball dominant guys. I think if you take that away and put Chris Paul on a team where they need a point guard, a true point guard to lead, where they not they, where where their best score is not doesn't have to have the ball in their hands all the time, like. Like a Paul George, if you put Chris Paul, Chris Paul could work with Paul George. If you could put him with a player like that, which I think Depot is, I mean, the rest will be history, bro. The rest will be history. But I, I think Chris Paul has a has a. Uh, I think he has some more in the tank to go, man. I don't think he watched like people. I think he just was in a bad situation. 
I feel you. I feel you. <laughs> no, you're not, man. It just, just, it, it's just a bad situation, bro. Like, how is that ever going to work? With two ball-dominant guards, how is that going to work? James Harden is a point guard. James Harden has worked his way into yeah. that conversation. Like, he, what, he's been a playing point guard for, what, three years? Three or four or somewhere right now. And, you know, now three. he's a pure, he's worked on his game, and now I, I didn't see it at first, but as a ball handler, as a passer, he makes other people around him better. He's a point guard. So you put two point guards on one team? I mean, yeah, well, I, I mean, I agree. I think I, I think that was, like you said, I mentioned before, that wasn't ever going to work. It's not so much to me. And, again, I know you're a Chris Paul guy. He's, like, one of your favorite players. So I'm saying this lightly. Bro, why you keep telling me that? <laughs> yeah, tread lightly, Lois. <laughs> I want the people to know that you're a Chris Paul guy. But that's not – but the points I'm making aren't biased, though. The points I'm making are legit. That's what I'm trying to say. I hear you. But what I'm saying is the point I'm making with Chris Paul is not so much what he does on the court. It's, yes, he lost a step on the court, so his stats have declined. But on the same time, he's, his injuries is what scares people in his contract. And so that's what makes it hard for him. Unless he takes a buyout and, and moves some of that money, yes, he could be a serviceable player still in the NBA. But he's not going to be the Chris Paul old where he's the ball dominant running a team. I don't, I don't see that no more for him. He's going to have to, one, let go of that ego, and two, accept the role. Yeah, man. We, uh, all right, man. We, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. I, now, if by chance he does stay with the Thunder, <laughs> oh my God, he's in he's in basketball with Purgatory. Is that the yeah. word? Like, you gotta think he his team is putting pressure on OKC to get a deal done. Oh, they they. But Chris Paul ego man, he's gonna have to take a pay cut. They're not gonna pay an aging point guard a thirty five year old point guard forty million dollars. Yeah, so he's gonna have to sacrifice if especially too like if he wants to get bought out or something like that. He's gonna have to eat a lot of that money and not take like. I, I mean, if he get like with a with a, I mean, I don't know. I don't want to be selfish. I mean, he's made a lot of money, but I mean, what would you think would be a, a reasonable buyout? What fifteen mil, twenty mil? Yeah, maybe somewhere around there. Around I mean, 20. I, I I think I would probably want my at least a year of that salary. Like what he whatever I'm owed. It will depend on how much I'm owed that it's, year. It's just gonna be it's gonna be very tough to figure that out. But I think that mo- both sides, as we were saying, are gonna be motivated to. I mean, Chris Paul not gonna really want to be around there, and they don't really want him around there because they probably want to be pretty bad right now. Honestly, you want your picks also to pay off, so you want to be pretty bad so that you can go and try to land one of those superstars. So you don't want to have Chris Paul around a guy that could you know bought you and get you to a decent win total. Obviously you won't be close to sniffing the playoffs. I, I but you know, they both teams are gonna be left. both teams are gonna be motivated to to cut base. So, you yeah. know, I don't it's interesting. I, I think that C P three has a lot left in the He's back in O K C though, you know he's, Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> they, did, they did pull out the recipient <laughs> with the O K C Hornets jersey. Back, back on welcome back, C P three. I remember you know, I I guess this is wrong, but I'm saying anyway for entertainment purposes. I remember when you know when uh, you know when the horrendous Hurricane Katrina came through and New Orleans had to play that game in O K C and how you how he was embracing the city yeah. and how he loved the city. He ain't saying that now. No, I know. He ain't even done his uh, goodbye. He's made a little OKC post. <laughs> but uh, I think, yeah, I mean, the more I'm talking about it now, I don't think he'll end up playing a game for OKC. Um, but, I, I mean, I think the Pacers, man, they, they should be on the phone right now, man. I think that 
You know, I think that okay, I think that the Pacers are in a good position where they're in the East, where the Raptors, the Raptors are done. You know, they may make the playoffs, but you know that's because the East is always yeah. weak. But you know, the Pacers are in prime prime territory to take the East. I think I think that this year and for the next two three years, depending on what happens in free agency, the Eastern Conference teams are kind of joseph for position ever since LeBron left. So. You know, of course, you got the Sixers, who's retooled, and yeah. I think they have become a favorite in the East for me, adding Al Hawford. And I think that if if Ben, with all these incentives that he has in his in his in his in his contract, which is a good another good transition, I'm killing these man. I'm <laughs> killing them today, bro. I'm killing them today, which I think think. Um, just, just real quick. Bro, pat real, yourself on the back because you really yeah, like to go right I'm now. killing the I'm killing the intros, man. Uh. So the big contract, too much or too little? Just right. You care to? Okay. <laughs> I, I think it's just right. All right. Well, since I'm on the opposing end of things, let me go ahead and uh, let me go ahead and jump in here. I think that it was too much, and I'm gonna tell you why. It's simple, and you know what I'm about to say. He doesn't have a jump shot. He does not have a jump shot. But what's what's more disturbing. Is the, not only the fact that he doesn't have a jump shot, is the fact that he won't even shoot the dog on ball. That's a problem. I think that as a player, what this contract is saying for him, what, it was five years, $170 million? Somewhere around now. I think that what it's saying is the player that he could be if he had a jump shot. And when you're looking at a guy that can give you 30 points and not even taking a jump shot, you know, imagine what he would be if he actually did have a jump shot. But... I just look at it, I mean, if he's going to get paid and if you're telling this guy, I'm going to go ahead and max you out right now after not improving. He's been in the league, we're going, this will be his fifth season. We won't count the first one when he got hurt. I think this is his fourth season, right? Yeah, if you don't count. If you don't count the Wait, this the is fourth, this is fourth this season. This is the fourth season if you do count yeah. the injury. Correct? Yeah, if you do count the Because he's only been playing two years. Yeah, yeah. So how is this the fourth? Huh? So is it, Wait, is if, if you do count the injury or whatever, this will be... Okay, so this he's entering his third year of playing. Third year of playing. Right, okay. He's a fourth yeah. year red shirt, you know, and he hasn't improved to get a jump shot. I mean, that's not showing me any motivation to get better. I mean, that's just me just looking at what's going on. He's not showing any strengths or showing any desire to get better. So if you're looking at that, and then you get his man 170 million, he's making close to 30 million dollars a year, and he's doing that without a jump shot. Where's the where's the motivation for him to get better? Because I hope he don't think that he's gonna be able to go into the league and without a jump shot for the rest of his career. Because his athleticism, he has a lot of athleticism yeah. as well, and that's gonna go. So I I just don't know. I to me, I think it was a little too much there for it. I mean, I think that he does deserve an extension, but one hundred seventy mil for four years, I think was a little too much. I mean, I think the way that you I mean, you can make an argument. Oh, you can go ahead, Lowe's. You can go, Lowe's. All right, so you can make the argument that, you know, with his numbers, you know, his jump shot is the only – his jump shot and his free throws is the only thing that's in this game. But transition-wise, and you can make the argument that, you know, he's going to have time to grow and to do those things and do those, and do those things and develop a shot, you know. And so right now, I don't think they necessarily need him to be – a shooter, you know what I'm saying? I just need him to be that big point guard. And really, he's just him in transition and, you know, regular point guards guarding him. 
he's unstoppable. So, I mean, that's where his advantage is. So, I mean, I think he's worth it because, again, you know, you don't want to see him go elsewhere and you don't want to shortchange him and, you know, have him being a disgruntled player. And so I think I really like Ben Simmons. I just think that once his jump shot, and I feel like we say this every year about a player coming into the league, you know, and a younger player, you know, at one point this was like LeBron James. It was like, oh, LeBron James don't have a jump shot. You know what I'm saying? LeBron James can take it to the rim all day. That was a knock on LeBron James. But eventually LeBron James developed, you know, into the jump shot. And then well, we don't even talk about that anymore. So I think that's what the Sixers are betting on with that contract that, hey, you know, maybe secretly he is working on that jump shot and then he's going to surprise us all and come and, you know, finally start to knock it down. And then, it, you know, years from now, you know, five, ten years from now, where this not even a thing where we're not even mentioning Ben Simmons' jump shot. But the difference is is that the guys that you mentioned, even from Giannis, even from LeBron, they were willing to shoot. You know, despite them not being able to, they were willing to shoot. You know, and that's not really my thing. Because I, you know, I vouch for Ben, and I like Ben Simmons a lot, by the way. You know, so me saying that I don't think he's deserving of that type of contract. I wouldn't have given him that contract, but I'm not a GM, and I don't own a, yeah. a, a franchise. But right. I'm just saying, to me, you know, just looking at him, I like him a lot. But one of my things was I was vouching for him because, like, man, he can't shoot. He can't shoot. He's not willing to shoot. And I was like, man, he can get a jump shot. That's one of the easiest things to get. But he makes players around him better. You know, he's a an athletic freak almost to me. He has great NBA size. And, you know, he's effective, very extremely effective in the league. Yeah. You without a jump shot. Yeah. But my thing is that I think that I gave, him a, I gave him a pass in his injury year because, of course, he couldn't do anything because he was hurt. He came back that year, had a phenomenal year, won rookie of the year, which I think he shouldn't have got because he's not a rookie. But that's neither, neither here nor there. And then he comes back this past year without a jump shot. And not only this, not only that, was even if you look at his rookie year and if you looked at some games, he was at least willing to take the shot. This year, he wasn't willing to take even. A, I think he's like, I think I looked at the numbers. He attempted maybe 0 0.2, 0 0.3 threes a, an attempt a game. So that means that he's, it's some games are from for some amount of games where he's not even taking a shot or taking a three-point shot. So, you know, he's going to have to correct it. I mean, if I'm paying a guy $170 million, uh, then he he, yeah. he has to be a, yeah. a guy that's that's all around, you know, great. I, I agree that he has to that he has to improve that. That's, that's no doubt. We all feel that way. But what I feel that you have to look at the landscape of the league. You got to look at the fact that Ben Simmons this past year was an all-star. Mm -hmm. He was an all-star. When people make the all-star team at this point, they're basically max players. You don't really see... Guys that make the All Star team that aren't getting max dollars, it just kind of is what it is in yeah. in this landscape of the league. So you look at a guy that's an All Star, but also a guy that's average. Basically, last year seventeen nine and eight, seventeen nine and eight, without, and a, jump they, without a jump shot, and that's still without a jump shot, still shooting fifty six percent from the field because he's able to still get to the rim when he needs to get to the rim. No, so saying. it's like he still, although he doesn't have the jumper, he's still an efficient player. Now he doesn't shoot well from the free throw line, but he. Still getting to the rack at will. He's a career like fifty five percent shooter. I want to say so. Yeah, but he's I mean, when you very, look at it, he's taking very. I mean, you know, he's taking very yeah. high percentage shots. Yeah, he's taking but, very high percentage shots. But when you're looking at it, like I said, still seventeen nine and eight for a guy. Seventy though, I don't know. Man. But you got to look at it on the scale of, of what guys are getting paid, and that's that's max worthy dollars for him. He's 
going to be a max guy. You look at these guys when they've been up for uh, their next deals, and I'm not trying to say he's AD, but when AD came around that time, they gave him max money when it was time for an extension. Carl Anthony Towns, whether they do, work out max money for him. When you have those type of guys that get to this point in their career, right before the year that they can reach restricted free agency, they always get the extension, and it's going to be the max amount of dollars. So I just think that, you know, it just fell in the line for being he may be a different player, you know, from those guys. But at the end of the day, the big glaring thing is the jump shot. I give you that. But all the other things, the way he makes players better, his ability to still get to the rim when he wants to, and he plays on both sides of the ball. He's a good defender as well. So it's like, you know, that one knock on him, I don't think can completely overshadow everything that's going great for him, everything that's great within his game. Because I feel like you can find something with Carl Anthony Towns and you can find something with these other guys who've also gotten the max. You got to look at Wiggins got a max extension. Yeah, I also think it was a loyalty move too. I mean, I, I do think, I do agree with that. Like, you do want, because he is a superstar, you know. I think that he's a star in this league. I don't think he's the best player on their team, but I think Embiid is. But, I mean, that's not that's not a knock on him because Embiid is just phenomenal. Yeah. But, I mean, I, I look at, you know, just what he brings. Just like you said, he's a great player. But, I don't know, it just kind of, I don't know, like, I'm a fan of guys with work ethic. And I'm not trying to question the man's work ethic. But, you know, my favorite player is Kobe Bean Bryant. And I see how hard he worked and how he transitioned and how he was able to evolve his game. And, you know, over, like, the th- the, the, the three seasons that I've seen. And this one, you know, I don't know what offseason work he's doing right now, but, just going to just seeing him two seasons not even improve in that area. I mean, and then you give a guy all that money. So where's the motivation gonna come him come in for him to get a shot or for him to get that? And yeah, I like being like I even hate that I'm talking about being like I love being Simmons. I love being. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. That's like one of my favorite players. Like I just hate that I'm sounding like the bad guy right now. Yeah, but. Those are legitimate questions that I'm going to give that type of money to yeah. a player. That's well, what I Yeah, have. no, that, that's a legit question. But I think, too, you have to judge at, at which way. How do you evaluate that guy? How do you evaluate what he has on the inside of him? You know, some guys, just because they get the money doesn't mean that they just going to, you know, chill and relax. We know that there's a lot of guys that get that max money and they still continue, you know, to improve upon their game. So maybe, of course, the jumper hasn't come yet, but... We got to see what year three or red shirt year four, whatever you want to call it. We got to see what that looks like. But I think that at this point, by him already being an all-star at this mm-hmm. point in his career and him being at that so time. You're not, with worried, it, about, you're not worrying about an Because I, I saw something interesting. I'm not going to take credit for it. But one of the things, I think it was Brian Winehorse. I think it was him that said that it's either this is going to turn out like a Giannis situation or it's going to turn into an Andrew Wiggins situation because both of these guys got max money before now with Giannis of course that 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 worked out pretty yeah. good but with Wiggins not so much and I I'm not ready to write right really write Wiggins off yet because I still feel like he he you know I think this year will be a do or die I think you know what you got in him after this year but I'm probably one of the last few people in the, in the basketball world that's holding on to the Wiggins thing but you know I mean, I kind of, I'm kind of inclined to agree with that. Like, I think that it, it'll either work out in the Wiggins situation or it'll work out like the honest thing. And Cat, I mean, has it worked out with Cat? I don't know. I mean, the verdict's still out for that as well. So I mean, maxing out guys early is risky. But it is. I think I think you got to do it. I I think you have to max them. 
Well, let's see. We'll see. Hello, sir. You ain't, you ain't got nothing to add to it, huh? No, I mean, this guy, I mean, I, I already said it. I think he's worth it. He made the All-Star game last year for a reason, and his numbers speak for himself, so. All right. Well, the verdict's out. So, after this, if, this, if he comes into this season and he doesn't have a jump shot, then what, 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 do y'all thoughts change? Cause I mean, no, cause, 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 he's still putting up good numbers. Yeah, I don't, I don't. He's been putting up good numbers now. You see where that got him? They got bounced out. Now it was, a, it was, a, it was a great shot by Kawhi. But oh my goodness, I'm just saying though. Like, is that enough? Like, if he doesn't have a shot, like if he did have a jump shot, if well, he had a jump shot, Philly well, would be the, but this the is, leading this, favorite. This is the thing though. It, it this year to me, what I want to see from Ben is the willingness to take it. And being a an occasional that's what maker, I'm that's what I want. That's, that's, just, what, that's all he needs. That's, that's all he that's needs. That's all yeah. that I'm really looking to see because I don't think he's gonna come this year. And I, all of a sudden, no, I'm no, he ain't gonna be but, <laughs> shooting. But Jason Kidd was a horrible shooter coming into the league, and you know he turned out at the end of his career was one of the best shooters. Yeah, but like you said, at the end of his career, it took it took Kidd years yeah, to develop true. that. Yeah, but I mean, I, for listeners out there, I love being Ben. If you're listening to this. Man, I love your game. I'm a huge fan. I'm not, you know. Don't let him slide, man. Don't let him slide, man. He said you ain't work one seventy. No, he's, trying to, he's trying to give you the one fifteen. He's trying to give you the discount, man. I hate. I, that's why I hate. Sometimes I hate about the podcast because <laughs> it, it, it forces you to talk talk negatively about people that you really really like. Like I like Ben. You know, he he's dominant. You know, he's coming to the league, and he's... he's oh, nice time <laughs> to say it now, huh? Nice time to say it as you say. Nah, don't pay the man. He's dominated, you know, the league. He's a rookie of the year. He's, uh, you know, all-star, made the All-Star game last year. You know, he's a, a, a great 6'9 point guard. I think that he makes other people around him better. He's a good defender. Like, he's a great player. Like, but just because you're a great player, I mean, you can't improve. And I know my favorite player improved from year to year. Until he retired. Bro, so. can we stop comparing Ben and Kobe? Can we stop no, I'm using not Kobe. Just, I know you're not comparing, but come LeBron on. Too. Kobe is an average. But LeBron right? is the same way. LeBron was a, was not that great of a shooter. Now LeBron shoot threes better than he shoot free right. throws. But, but the thing about it, you got to look at it too, bro. Not every Max guy is Kobe and LeBron. Like, no. Man, I'm so not saying. No, no. What I'm saying is it, get back, it gets back to the premise of should he have gotten the money that he getting or whatever. We still, I we can't compare him on that scale. So I'm not comparing him to to either. Though, but even though he is a compare, he is a little baby Lebron though. I mean, they 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 do their games are very when they first came first came when Lebron first came in lane and Ben did. They games are virtually similar. It, the way that they can get to the goal, like you're not stopping Ben full head of steam, just like you wasn't stopping Lebron full head of steam going to the goal. LeBron makes people better around him with his passing, and Ben does the same thing. Yeah, that sounds like 170 to me. Everything you, you make no <laughs> argument, huh? Oh, <laughs> Los Money had to make the argument anymore. Rob just made the argument. For man, no, nah, man, <laughs> but I, I do think that was a little too steep. But hey, look, maybe I was just bringing up that point just so we can have fun on the podcast and have something to argue. About. Oh, okay. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. So uh, enough with that. I think uh, I think real quickly. I don't think it matters. But Ramon, you might want to go into this since the the Lakers just claimed uh, 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 an honor. <laughs> one of the coup onto the coup. You yeah. messed it up too. Onto the coup. Yeah. That's how you said. Yeah, we claimed one of the onto the coup brothers. It will be going to Lakers. 
And I, I, I'm passing off to Ramon because Ramon said like two, three weeks ago before anybody even thought of it. So that's why you should keep on with opinionated bench ones because a lot of things we say always come into fruition. But one of his guests was is that we're going to try to court his brother Giannis when Giannis is up for free agency, free agency in, 2021. in 2021, which is yeah. two years from now. So. Yeah, the big thing is uh, we were talking and of course we've seen a, the Lakers sign a bunch of two-year deals with all their free agents. Um, and the thing about it, they're putting themselves to be in play for another max guy in 2021. Even Rob Palenka has alluded to the fact of being available for a max guy in 2021. Biggest fish out there in 2021 is Giannis. And you know the Lakers, they're going to always swing for the big fish out there. Um, now, don't take this as me saying, okay, we're going to get Giannis. Oh, all Lakers fans just say they always going to get this and that. Because I know y'all take this and run with it and say that we're saying that we're not. I'm just saying... Giannis is definitely on the Lakers radar, uh, will be a target that will be pursued in 2021 if the Bucks don't figure out a way to lock him up sooner than that. Um, and so I think you just seeing another piece to it, recruiting pitch. You see Jason Kidd that's on the team that has the connection to Giannis, <laughs> coaching Giannis at a certain point. So Hey, bro, this is not a Lakers podcast. Yeah, so you know, that, that's yeah, just that quick little point. Yeah. We just thought we'd throw that tidbit yeah. in. But... Man, I didn't expect to spend this long on the NBA. No. <laughs> like, we're 47 minutes in, 48 minutes in, and we're, we're still talking NBA. I mean, I thought the NBA scene didn't have much to talk about, but obviously it yeah. I know all the fantasy football players is is uh, ready to uh, talk about fantasy football, and we will start with our um, great rankings. Like, if you look at our rankings last year, I think you check it out on our Instagram, O underscore Benchwarmers. Man, uh, our rankings last year came to fruition, and you saw some of the things we thought last year. Uh, for instance, De- DeAndre Hopkins, we had him pretty high last year, and, and you know, you know, the rest is history there. So, um, you know, I think we should just do like a round robin thing. What you think, Lowe's? Yeah, that worked. I think that worked. Okay. Uh, all right. So we'll just. You know, go one through ten, and we'll just you know do it like that, and just do one through ten, and you know we just think who is at one. Let's try to keep it like at sixty seconds to make our cases, if a case needs to be made, because yeah. some of these, uh, I don't think even the the, the the most novice fantasy football player would disagree with some of these, but there are some that that does cause a little debate. So we'll just try to cut it to sixty seconds each. So. Um, which I want to start with, running backs or position? I think running backs the most entertaining, man. I was going to say that. Keep them, keep them listening. Keep, keep them listening so you want to wait on running backs. That's cool. It don't, it don't even matter. Yeah, so, um, all right, I'll start at number one. I guess I'll start it off. Number one, I got Saquon Barkley. Uh, needless to say, I mean, I, he's my number one running back in the league. 1,300 yards rushing, 11 t- touchdowns rushing. He For you PPR, um, PPR people, he did have 91 receptions last year. I think that that will go up. He was an integral part of the Giants' offense last year. I don't see why he shouldn't be now, especially with the departure of Odell Beckham. He's not competing with anybody in that backfield, so I think he's in the inevitable number one running back in the fantasy draft. Ooh, I like it. I like that. Um, I'm going to go with the number two. Behind him, uh, Alvin Kamara. I mean, you look at a team, a player that. Ooh, uh, I like that. It's the Saint up there, huh? That number two. Yeah, so you look at it where you have a player that no longer he's no longer sharing the carries with Mark Ingram. No, Tavis Murray was signed there, so I mean, he's a guy that's going to be you know picked up later in rounds. But again, I think Alvin Kamara is going to be get about 
80 to 90 percent of the carries um and I like him and of course you know Sean Payton being the guru he is on offense I think he's going to put you know Alvin Kamara in situations where, where he's split out wide and he's going to have his catches and he's going to have his, his touches so I like Alvin Kamara a lot this year I like that too though. yeah I think swinging it around to that's number three now. I got Ezekiel Elliott at that. Oh, we're seat. doing everybody's number one. Oh, I thought yeah. I thought no. Los just had oh, yeah. he went Kamara too. Corrected you. Uh, yeah, we we all have. I'm pretty sure we have different ranks. We gonna all do our number ones. All do our number twos like that. Oh, okay. Well, I okay. mean, okay. I'm with you at number one at Saquon. Yeah. Okay. Same. All right. Cool. All right. Number two. <laughs> <laughs> Los went with, the, right, with Los, the Kamara Los too. Did and for our listeners, this this is these are PPR rankings. We don't play that standard miss. We play PPR. Yeah. So keep in mind if you're a PPR fantasy football player, these rankings are catering to theirs. So that's yeah. how we are ranking our players based on PPR. So yeah. I just wanted to say that if you're a standard player, don't waste your time even listening to this because standard is a little different than PPR. And, and if you playing standard, just move to PPR. I'm going to just yeah. say for what it is. If you playing standard, <laughs> you're not an opinionated bench warmer fan because opinionated bench warmers don't mess with PPR. I mean, don't mess with standard. Look at you. You all over. That's what I get. That's what I get for talking trash. <laughs> right. Nah, opinionated bench warmers don't mess with standard football. Okay, number two. Los had Alvin Kamara. He gave his explanation of it. I am inclined to agree with him, but I have Ezekiel Elliott as my number two running back, and I'll tell you why. Mr. Reliable, he's had, you know, he's had, uh, uh, last year he had 1,400 yards rushing, six touchdowns. He had 77 receptions, three touchdowns, receiving touchdown receptions. Um, I think one of the things that you have to look at with him is that he's not really competing with anybody in that backfield. So that just just leads out a lot of a lot of opportunity. Four thousand yards rushing in three seasons. <sighs> Need I say more? I'm not gonna waste more time. Yeah. Zeke I mean, is, Zeke is the Zeke I know he's going through his contract thing and that's why people are probably that's probably why Los didn't have him number two. But I think that they will work that out with the contract. I don't think I don't I'm not, I'm not afraid of it. I yeah. think that it's a safe pick. Yeah. I think the biggest thing with Zeke, I also have Zeke at number 2. Um I was I was very close with Alvin Kamara being there. Um but I definitely have Zeke sitting at number 2 as well and I just look at the way that his receptions have gone off across the years. Um and looking at 77 receptions last year, mm-hmm. him being targeted 95 times as a running back. Um and so you really saw his involvement more in that area. So especially like we said for PPR uh, listeners and we play PPR. Um, I think he's great. You know he's gonna get the the bulk of the carries, basically all of the carries. Um, but the fact that he's involved in the passing game as much as he is now, I think it's a real big plus. So that's why I have Zeke sitting at two. But it's very close among those top running backs because running back to me is a deep position this year. Yeah, and I mean running back, running back is deeper this year. Um, and I think you know I, I like Zeke Elliott. You know I think he's a safer bet. But for me, when I, I like for the listeners out there, I'm the one that, you know, I like to take chances. You know, I like to take chances. I think big risk, you know, ends up with big rewards. And I think Zeke is consistent, you know, and he's going to give you consistency. I like that too, you know. But I think with looking at how many rush attempts he had over the years, the wear and tear, he's probably had the most rushing attempts. He did exactly have the most rushing attempts last, last year by a long shot. And so that wear and tear on a player, you know, it starts to uh, catch up with him eventually, you know, at the running back position. So, I mean, you look at players like Ty Gurley, he was used a lot, you know, and Zeke Elliott, 
he's you know using that same thing. But you look at a guy like Al Kamara, which is why he's my number two, who you know had 194 uh, rushing attempts last year. Um, we can all we can pretty much guess that that's going to go up this year with Mark Ingram leaving. So you know with that ceiling, I think would also again you know Al Kamara being involved in the rush game. I mean, I'm sorry, in the passing game, I think that you can see Alvin Kamara really easily probably be the top running back this in, in fantasy football. So I like that, that ceiling for Alvin Kamara. Okay, cool. Well, let's move on. Number three. Uh, Dave, number three for me is David Johnson. I got David Johnson there because we know what he did prior to injury. Um, and now he has a new offensive coordinator. Who, uh, who I found caters to running backs and running backs like David Johnson. So I'm expecting David Johnson to have a really, really big year this year. I think that you will have an opportunity. Like I have him ranked number three. But don't think that you have to pounce on him because a lot of people are going to shy away from him because he is coming out of injury. And for the past couple seasons, he hasn't been who we've known David Johnson to be. But, of course, the year before last, he had an injury. And then this year, this year, I think that yeah, he, he was a late. They often suck, but at the same time too, he was a late bloomer. I, he had more success towards the end of the season. He really found his legs towards the end of the season, as opposed to the beginning of the season. So I think that you know I have him up here at three, but I think that you easily can get him in the later rounds. And when I say later rounds, I'm not saying that, you know depending on if you have ten or twelve people. Late round for him, I think it's third round, somewhere around there. I, yeah, I don't know if, if he follows that for if, I think he's going to be second rounder. If 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 that, you know yep. what I'm saying? So, I'm, I'm just saying that, you, you know, don't think that you have to pounce on him for a first round. If you really, really like a receiver at, at your first round pick, and you're in a, in a strategic position to, to wait to the second round to get a, a great running back, who I think is first going to get first round numbers this year, man, David Johnson. So, who you got at three? Yeah. We got I, a low start. Oh, yeah. Yeah, at three, it's just to make it quick, like for me at three, I mean, I have Alvin Kamara, Los Arias, and everything about, about AK, Kamara. so I don't really have to say And I'm a Saints fan, and I don't have Alvin Kamara yeah. in my top five, but. Wow. Let's so, Los, who you got at three? At three, I got uh, Christian McCaffrey. Um, yeah. I like Christian McCaffrey over Zeke, so Zeke still hasn't went off my board yet, but I like Christian McCaffrey because simply, I mean, if you look at a PPR league and you look at what a, this guy, it, what this guy does, you know, catching 100 balls at the running back position, that's filthy. That's just plumb insane, you know. And then not only that, he also rushed over 1,000 yards. So he gave you seven touchdowns um, last year on the ground, and then he gave you six touchdowns receiving. So you look at that, you want a player like that, especially with your first pick where, yeah. you know, um, even if they're not running the ball, you know there's a good chance that he's going to get the ball in the pass game. So, I mean, again, Zeke's number has numbers has went up, you know, lately in the past game. But, again, my concern is, you know, what we talked about before, the contract situation, maybe him sitting out some games. We've seen historically where players sit out some games or sit out preseason and, you know, don't really get into training camp like they need to be. And then they end up coming back and having these soft tissue injuries like hamstrings and stuff like that where they miss a couple games. I want a guy that I know is going to be in there and is going to play this year and not have any issues. Now, if something comes through where Zeke um, gets his contract and gets paid before the season starts, then, okay, maybe he in, is in there at that two or three spot. But right now, I just can't take a chance on him with a top three pick. All right. So, you said three? Yeah, yeah. yeah I said my three was AK, Alvin Kamara. Oh, okay, so, cool. Yeah. Okay, and just to add on to what Lowe said, I mean, I think that Christian McCaffrey, along with Alvin Kamara, could – 
are both the type of running backs that are dynamic enough to be the first running back since Marshall Falk to get 1,000 yards rushing and 1,000 yards receiving. If you look at their numbers in the past couple seasons, each of them had had over 700 yards in both categories, whether it would be receiving or running back. So, and plus, they get a ton of touchdowns. Yeah, which, you look which at, is like you said, literally McCaffrey was only 130-something yards, yeah. 133 receiving yards away from getting to that point. And Marshall Falk has been retired for a long time. So, you're looking at something that hasn't happened in a while. I and mean, when you're looking at value, you always love the two-for-one guys and, you know, um, speaking of it, I have Christian McCaffrey and, and Alvin Kamara both a little down on my list. But, that's very interesting. Yeah, but that's, hey, Christian yeah, McCaffrey. I, I yeah, I think that those two, yeah, yeah that's so, a boom guard. That's yeah. just to give you a mindset. So I don't think that just because I, that's the thing about it, like you're going to have to listen to it and dissect each of what we're saying because even though they have, we have players in different places on our list, we each know what each player brings. So, yeah. Um, also, okay, so we, that brings us to four. I got Ty Gurley there. Uh, the reason why, I know that there's been a lot of talk about his injury situation and arthritis in his knees. And last week, it has been started to report that his Ty McBay, that's your coach, McBay, huh, Los? That's what you're trying to call him? <laughs> has said yeah. that, uh, that he is ready to go and that he has full confidence. But when you look at a guy who gave me 1,200, 1200 yards on the, on the ground, 17 touchdowns on the ground, 59 receptions, and four touchdowns receiving, it's no way I could not have him in the top five. Even if he's taking a step back, what is his step back going to be? What, 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 1,100 yards rushing with nine touchdowns? That's still good value for the first round for a running back. So, am I one of the guys that's going to be alone? No, I don't have him number one, which he should be after a year like he had last year. But oh, if, if Todd Gurley is there and he's in the first round, early second round, I'm taking him. There's no way I'm, I cannot not take him. Like, mm-hmm. you know, with the, with the scheme, with the rounds, people saying that they drafted a new running back, which Los has spoke on, we spoke on it, which is a good running back. That's fine. I mean, you see, you look at Alvin Kamara was, last, you know, last year sharing carries with, with uh, Ingram in which the Rams have that same type of, of round-robin system. I mean, with how good Todd Gurley is, he doesn't even need that many carries to give you good numbers. So I have him at four. I can't I can't put him no lower than that. What about you, Lo? I mean, I like it. You know, I'm a, a, you know for a, a constant list of niggas, I'm a big, huge Rams fan. But I just can't. I can't touch Todd Gurley in the first, or maybe not even the second round. And this is why, you know, and I mean, to each his own, and Soupy's probably going to go first round in our draft, in our keeper league that we have, and, you know, I wish that person luck, you know, I am releasing him, you know, he's not going to be on my team this year, um, but wow. I, look at it this, I look at it this way. It ain't no loyalty in fantasy, bro. No loyalty. Yeah. I think, I think, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire, and, you know, if you're in the biggest game, of the NFL, which is the Super Bowl, and you only limited to only 10 carries in a close game, that says a lot, you know what I'm saying? And there's a lot going on with him, and I think the the Rams are going to be smart with him, and the Rams are going to play the uh, the Bill Belichick system of rotating running backs in, so it's going to be frustrating. So if you look at it, if the Rams copy what the Patriots do with the Bill Belichick system, None of the Patriots running backs go first round. They they never go first round in the, in the draft. So I think the Rams are going to bring Ty Gurley along slowly and save him for the long playoff run later in the year by you know even rotating guys. The Texas guy Malcolm Brown, uh, 
Yes, Malcolm mm-hmm. Brown in mm-hmm. as a running back and bring yeah. in Daryl Henderson as a running back. Yeah. Like you're gonna see all three of those guys and save and keep Ty Gurley fresh for the long season. And then you might see in the playoffs, which doesn't help in fantasy, but the NFL playoffs, you may see, you know, more more carries for Ty Gurley. Yes, Ty Gurley's gonna have big games, but is his stats and his numbers gonna be warrant of a first-round pick in fantasy football? I don't think so. And that's just me personally speaking. I could be completely wrong, but I really think that his, his, there's some issues with his knee, and Ty Gurley's came out, and he's admitted it, but he's, yeah. saying he's always dealt with it. So. so who you got it for? At four, um, I have Zeke. Yeah, that's that's right. yeah, Zeke. Okay. Well, I have Christian McCaffrey at four. All right. Yeah, but I mean, we've already yeah, talked about McCaffrey. So. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, so moving on at five, I got Le'Veon Bell. Um, again, I have players in my top five that are proven and has shown me that they have talent, has shown me that they are top-tier running backs in this league. Not to say that my six and seven isn't because my six and seven are elite as well, but Le'Veon Bell, when you look at what he did, Prior to him going out, uh, prior to him sitting out. So that means he's going to have fresh legs this year. I'm not worried about him going to the Jets or whatever because I think he could be talented and and can dominate wherever he is. I think a lot of people are going to stay away from him early because they don't quite know what – they'll get caught up in the team switch. So they they won't quite know what he's going to bring. But I think that he's going to have a good year. I think he's going to be Le'Veon as we've known him to be. And then he has fresh legs. I can't say that enough. He's missed the whole – he's been working out and has, hasn't been having to get hit for a whole year. So he should come back with a lot of energy this year. I like David Johnson. We talked about him a little bit. I just really think that you can't really – you can't really put too much – you really can't knock how big of a signing it was for them to get that the head coach who's who's done well um, in the college game, and I think he's going to be creative with you know um, I can't think of the quarterback's name. Right? Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray. Thank you guys. And so I, I really think that Kyler Murray and that system, and with the threat of Kyler Murray taking off, that's going to open some lanes up for David Johnson. And David Johnson has before shown that he was like before Alvin Kamara came into the league and kind of showed up, he was kind of that Alvin Kamara type, you know, where he can get you to receive and he can get you the uh, rushing yards, you know. And so he was that that wide receiver turned running back from college to the NFL. And so I like him a lot. And I think, you know, in that new system, I think they're going to have fun in that new system. I think they're going to be fast and they're going to get off a number of plays in that system. So you can look at for him to, you know, get his yards both, uh, in the air and on the ground. All right, well, you, who you got? Yeah, um, I actually agree at five. I have David Johnson at okay. five. So and I talked about <laughs> yeah, him. Yeah, y'all talked about, about him at length. So. At six, I got Alvin Kamara, so we don't have to talk about him anymore. I do think that he will be have a more prime role. I think that the Saints did a good job, and as we do, we draft well, we playing well. We had him sitting behind uh, Ingram and learning things, and now you know he proved when, when Ingram was suspended for those two games that – you know, was it four games? I think it was four. Four, yeah. That uh, he could take a prime, a feature back role. So, Alvin Kamara. Who you got at six, folks? At six, I have actually... Wait. I, that was just... Wait, okay, yeah, he five. said it's five. You said your five, yeah, Los? Yeah, yeah. Okay. okay. You yeah, said your five. Yeah, yeah. At six, I have... Actually, I have... Um, it's kind of tough for me. It was between Melvin Gordon and James Conner. But I went James Conner just because of Melvin mm, Gordon. You have mm. him. I went James Conner just because of 
the situation with Melvin surrounding, um, you know, um, Melvin Gordon and him possibly, pretty much requesting a trade if he don't get paid. And so I, I don't like dealing with those those guys, dealing with those those contract situations going into a season. So historically, I don't draft those guys until things clear up. Because, um, again, you know, they're not in, they're not learning plays, they're not, you know, different things. Now, sometimes those guys come back and do fine, but I don't like taking that risk. And so I went James Conner. James Conner came on the scene last year with Le'Veon Bell with his situation. And so I really like uh, James Conner to repeat that uh, with a full season with nobody really behind him. Uh, with him not looking over his shoulder this year, if Le'Veon Bell's going to come back and so I think he's going to be a good, solid, consistent RB1 this year. Yeah, um, at six, I have Melvin Gordon. Um, and I have Melvin Gordon mm-hmm. with the caveat that I think that they are going to figure out the contract situation. Um, and, and the thing about Melvin Gordon, he's one of the guys that he also gets involved in the passing game. We see year after year. He smashed it last year. Yeah, and the thing about it, too, he's also a heavy touchdown guy. If you look at his touchdown rate, it's one of the highest amongst running backs, and we know the value of that he in fantasy so football. Injury prone. That's why yeah. he ends up as. That's yeah. why I got him a little lower than than what y'all have him in. But um, yeah, I, I I feel that I could see that. But I mean, if you look over the course of his career, you know he is gonna miss games. But I mean, fourteen games, thirteen games, sixteen, twelve. So it's not like he's had like extended to me periods of him being off. I think he's there enough for you. Um, and yeah, I think the Chargers that, are going to be a pretty good team this year. Too. Yeah, they're going to be a good team. They're going to get involved, him involved, obviously in the passing game, as I mentioned. Um, and like I said, the touchdowns. I mean, at the end of the day, that's the that's biggest the thing that you want. Game, that's yeah. the name of the game in fantasy football. Um, and for him to have 14 touchdowns last year, 10 rushing, four receiving, um, that speaks volume. So I have him as my number six running back. I got seven. Uh, at seven, I got Christian McCaffrey. Uh, we spoke about him multiple times. Again, he's just a guy that uh, – picture it like this. If you keep up with football for years, the offensive coordinator was Nor- is North Tur- Turner. And you know where he's come from? He was the same offensive coordinator with LaDamian Thompson. Not that I'm comparing Christian McCaffrey to LaDamian Thompson, but if you look at LaDamian Thompson's numbers and you look at – uh, Christian McCaffrey's numbers, it just proves that North Turner likes to get running backs involved in the passing game. Christian McCaffrey came in as a passing, a pass-catching running back, but this year he, he explodes for a 1,000 yards rushing. So, you know, that means that he's been working on his game, and that means that he's improved. That means that he can do multi, he's multifaceted. But the main point you want to take away from that is that North Turner is going to make sure that Christian McCaffrey is involved in that offense because he lost the involved running backs. So I got him at seven. Uh, what about you, Los? What you got at seven? At seven, that's where Gordon fall in at that spot. Okay. Yeah, so, at seven, I got Ty Gurley. We've talked about Ty to okay. extent, so. Ooh, y'all long Ty Gurley. I hope, I hope y'all let him slide to me. I'm glad you got world. Christian yeah. McCaffrey at seven. Yeah, yeah. yeah and you got, you, you must mean, have you said? Oh, you said Alvin at six. Okay. All right, so at eight, I got Melvin Gordon, so there's no need to really talk about that anymore. You, what about you, Lowe's? Uh, at that spot, that's where I slide in. Um, I actually like uh, Joe Mixon. Oh, that's the same for me. Okay. Uh, Joe Mixon stepped on the steam. I think that it, earlier in the years of Cincinnati, I was trying to figure out the running back thing. They had our boy out of LSU, Jeremy Hill. And then they had the running back out of North Carolina. 
What's his name? You talking about Giovanni? Yeah, trying to figure it out. And now I think they finally got their guy. And I think they're tired of the two running back scheme. So now they want to... Now, you know, they they got Joe Mixon. And he's proven that he's a a great running back. He would have went higher in the draft if, if it wasn't for the circumstances. But, you know, he's cleared that up. And he's proven that he can be a future back in the league. So uh, I like Joe Mixon a lot at that. Y'all got him at that nine spot? Eight spot. Eight spot. Okay, so nine. Leonard Fournette. Man, I when I was making this list, I was telling Ramon, I was like, man, I got to all the way down to nine. And I realized, I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, I didn't put Leonard Fournette on this list. Leonard Fournette is a great running back. But, I mean, just that just shows you how deep this running back class is. Take that information and do what you want with it. But this running back class is the deepest I've seen in a long, long time. And in this time, you can find Leonard Fournette, a thousand-yard rusher, all the way down at nine. Man, you 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 really cooking with some running backs. I like Leonard Fournette a lot. I think that he took a step back last year. You know, he had a couple uh, injury issues. Um, I think that he's having a couple issues with the front office. I don't know if they cleared that up. Uh, just with Tom Coughlin and him, they had a hiccup. But, you know, Leonard Fournette, we know what he's been. We know what he's always been since his days of St. Aug, uh since his days of LSU, uh, you know, a, a, another high-volume runner. Uh, he's going to get a lot of touches. Uh, I think that the, the offense-wise in Jacksonville, now that they finally have a reliable quarterback in Nick Foles, that's going to help Leonard Fournette. They're, you know, teams are not all going to be able to focus on him like they have in the past. So, I expect Leonard to have a good year. Just because I have him ranked at nine, I don't think that I believe him. I may, I may, I might change my mind, open the draft and, and take Leonard earlier. So please, do I got him at nine. Don't try to send a smoke screen or signal. What's wrong with Leonard? Right you don't like Leonard at nine? Nah, man, I can't do Leonard at nine. I mean, I like Leonard, but again, he's had the injury history. So at nine, I probably he only been hurt when when the last year was the first year getting hurt. Yeah, no, which was his second year, year in the league, so. <laughs> yeah, he's hurt his first year. So, so you don't like um, Leonard either? It's, it's high, you all, Leonard? I like Leonard, but I mean, I don't think that, like, it's not debatable to me between any of the guys that I've said so far and Leonard. Yeah, I, I, same here. I mean, I, I, don't, I think I'm comfortable with that nine spot because I feel like the eight I just mentioned ahead of him. I mean, I it, I can't put I don't I don't see me sliding him up above. Yeah, he's not in my top ten. <laughs> All right, That's so what, I have Le'Veon Bell at that spot. Ooh, at nine, yeah, yeah I I have Le'Veon at nine as well. Right, what's wrong with y'all boys? I mean, y'all in that team switch. Y'all in that team, team switch. switch. He's been out a year. <laughs> he's still top ten. Yeah, he's still top ten. Don't get me wrong. I just like the players above him slightly more because. I know their situation better. You know what I'm saying? The team switches playing a small role into it, but are the Jets going to be a good team? Because you got to think about this with the running back spot. If their offense is not efficient, then that means he's not on the field as often. You know what I'm saying? He's not getting those plays in because their team is not moving the ball. They're not getting those first downs. So, yes, he may be a volume guy, but if they're not getting, if their quarterback is not getting the ball and getting first downs and make, making those clutch plays on third down, then you know, your guy's going to be barely on the field. So, again, he's still top 10 because of his talent, but you just don't know the situation around him if they're going to be a team that's going to score points. Yeah. I mean, I, I really kind of feel the same way about uh, Le'Veon. I think that, I mean, really, honestly, within this top 10, it's not like there's a big gap of separation throughout this top 10. You're talking about 
a really quality position, a really deep group. So it's like Le'Veon being nine as opposed to Christian McCaffrey being my number four. I'm not saying that there's a world of a gap there. Um, I just believe that, like you said, him stepping into this new situation, he's had a year off from the game. So that could be two things. Of course, he could be refreshed and ready to come back, but you also got to get back acclimated to the game, get to the speed of the game, all this kind of stuff like that. You're in a new system. You know, is that offensive line going to be shored up? I know that the offensive line has improved over the last couple years, but, you know, it's not like the Jets have been known for having this dominant offensive line that's, or this, you know, totally great system. So, um, that's why I have him down at nine. But like I said, it's still, I mean, he's a very serviceable guy. So, like, if you have Le'Veon on your team, you know, I'm not going to be like, oh, you're not solid at running back. Like, you know, I still think he's going to have a great year. But Yeah, so, okay, that brings us to 10. To 10, I'm, 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 I'm tied because I got honorable mentions, guys. Oh, like, we said top 10. We said but top 10, not 11, a, not 12, not 13. But at 10, it was a two-way tie. No, me. you can't have a tie, bro. We can't let you slide with it. Come on, man. Nah, man. It's, it's a top 10. It's not a top 11. I know, but I just was tied. Like, I was just tied. I'm, it's between Joe Mixon and, Joe, and uh, James Conner. You had to decide. You got to choose. I'll take James Conner because, just simply because we see what Pittsburgh offense can do with a running back. Not to say that Le'Veon ain't talented, but I just seen, have seen, we have seen like uh, like D'Angelo Williams dominating that offense. We've seen James Conner dominate. We've seen other running backs besides Le'Veon dominating that offense, which means that that is a great, any running back you get in that offense is a good pickup. So, uh, just looking at what James was able to accomplish, and uh, one would say that they didn't miss a beat without Le'Veon last year at the running back spot. One could make that case just with the numbers that he put up. Now he did t- he did kind of tether off towards the end of the year, but I mean, still, I mean, at a ten spot, I mean, as an RB two, RB three, I don't think that that's a bad option. If he's my RB two, I'm comfortable. Yeah, nah, I also have James Conner at that ten spot. And I think it's basically everything you've already said. I mean, we see how productive guys can be in that Pittsburgh offense uh, period, which is why, you know, even as we move on in rankings, I have other Pittsburgh guys uh, to mention. But as far as running back, I mean, you see him also. He gets involved in the passing game as well. Uh, so, I mean, I think having him at that 10 spot, spot I think if he's your RB2 on your team, um, I mean, even if he's your RB1 and you position your team to be kind of dominant a receiver, you know, then I can still see that as well. So I think he's going to have a heck of a year. Like you said, he kind of tailed off a little bit, but I think that that's – he was getting acclimated to that starter's role. I think he'll be a little bit more ready for it this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so 10 is a great slide for him. For my 10 spot, I got um, – actually, I got Dalvin, Dalvin Cook there. Um, I like Dalvin Cook a lot. And I think Dalvin is one of those guys that hasn't hasn't really shown he's going to be one of those boom and bust players because he's been banged up, you know, and I really like to stay away from banged up guys historically. But I, it was the decision between him and Leonard Fournette, and I like his situation a little better because I like the weapons that are surrounded in uh, Minnesota with Stephon Diggs, with Alan, Adam Thielen, Thielen. Um, and so I think, you know, this is going to be a year that Dalvin Cook goes up. So, yeah. All right. Pause, man. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, I really don't like, uh, I, I really don't like, 
Dalvin, because I mean mainly because I'm I'm probably jaded because I had him on my team last year and I drafted him and he got hurt. Uh, but I mean I you know like you say Lois, I, historically I hate being around guys that always are hurt or have a history or have that nagging injury from year to year. I really don't like that. So I mean I, that would cause me not to be a little lower on Dalvin than you had him. But uh, I I don't really like Dalvin in my top ten at all. Yeah, I mean I'm not. I'm not really high on him uh, either. He definitely wouldn't be in my top 10. He might be a top 15 guy as I think through it, but uh, not not top 10 for me. But hey, Los, if you want to grab him, bro, go on and grab him and I'll grab He'll be there yeah, for you. Yeah, go ahead, man. Go ahead. I'll leave him right there for you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think y'all sleeping on his potential. You know what I'm saying? His ceiling is... It's through the roof, you know what I'm saying? The ceiling is the roof. Oh, MJ quote that, but anyway, yeah, I think uh, I think he he could I think he could end up being good, you know what I'm saying? I think he could flourish and be one of those league winning players, you know what I'm saying? Okay. Yeah, man, I think that uh, I think that about sums it up, man. We went in depth with the running backs, man. So. If you're a running back, a fan of the running back position in fantasy football, there you have it. Uh, if you want to hit us up on Twitter about any of that to debate us, we all have jobs, but we all have our phones on us, and we, we always got time to uh, to put people in their places. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, so uh, we're going to continue going through this fantasy football. We just starting out, like guys, like we just starting. Um, as you can see, it takes a long time to digest those positions to each position, and we don't want to shortchange you. We have a lot of analysis on each of these players, so we want to make sure that you're getting a full in-depth analysis along with why we think the way we do, and our debates sometimes even give you more information. So do what you want with the information. We're going to continue going through the positions. We'll probably move on to wide receiver and tight end next, but uh, just keep on the lookout for that. Uh, make sure that you, if you want to follow us and interact with us on social media, it's O underscore Benchwomers on Twitter and Instagram, as well as if we need you to subscribe to us, please, and actually listen when you subscribe. But uh, uh, you can search us on Opinionated Benchwomers on Apple Music or Google Play and Stitcher. And until next time we record, we appreciate you for listening. Those that do listen and interact with us, we appreciate all the support. And uh, we're going to get out of here. Yeah.